Hello out there and welcome to episode two of Man on the Silver Mountain. First of all, uh, there's some business to attend to regarding our fake European tour. A while back, I think I mentioned that we are not going to be going on tour in Europe with Today is the Day. I still see that some promoters are promoting the show in Europe. I see a bunch of stuff. I'm starting to get emails and messages from uh, various people uh, about this tour, which is not happening. Once again, we were never officially offered this tour, and you know we just proceeded. We said we, you know, we were interested in checking it out. No offer ever came. No discussion of terms. No logistical planning. Uh, nothing of that nature was ever presented to us officially, and uh, so we just continued moving on with our business. Suddenly, I started seeing promotional material stating that we are going on tour today is a day in Europe, and it's completely not true. Uh, our camp has uh, contacted the booking agent. Uh, allegedly, they have sent out information to all the promoters saying that Tombs is going to be um, not doing the tour and that there'll be another support band in lieu of us doing the tour. But nothing seems to be um, you know, coming together exactly. And uh, you know, the European uh, agent you know, maintains that detached, laissez-faire attitude that a lot of Europeans seem to employ. And I'm just not satisfied with the way information is being transmitted out to you all. So if any of you are listening to this and you're residing in Europe and that you, uh, you know, possibly are planning on checking out one of these shows, I warn you, please go see Today is a Day. They're great. But do not expect Humes to be on the bill. Um, we didn't cancel. Like I said earlier, if I agree to go someplace and play a show, you bet your ass I'm going to show up and perform. But we were just never formally asked to do the tour. And, um, you know, we are trying to conduct ourselves as professionals. And that's just um, the way things go. So it's kind of a drag. Uh, really not sure where the misunderstanding started, but um, it is a misunderstanding. Last night... Uh, went, I saw a band called Silver Tomb down in the Starland Ballroom in Sarahville, New Jersey. It, uh, a couple of my friends, uh, Joe and Henry from Inhuman and Agnostic Front, play guitar in the, and bass in the band. And um, this kid, Aaron, seems like a really nice guy, plays synths and other guitar. There's actually three guitarists in the band. And um, it's the brainchild of Kenny and Johnny from Typo Negative, and it's their first show ever. It's actually Kenny's first show in like seven years. And um, it was pretty badass. Um, you know, we drove down there, represented Brooklyn down in Sarahville, New Jersey. And um, it was pretty badass. I enjoyed myself. Um, Silver Tomb is uh, dark, kind of um, Soundgarden-esque, heavy rock band. And it's uh, right up my alley. And uh, it was a great show. And, um, yeah, I don't know what's next for them, but definitely keep an eye out for Silver Tomb. Um, you know, maybe maybe we'll play together at some point. I don't know. It should be pretty cool. I'm plugging away on the Lifetime of Grey Skies audiobook. Now I've got about three chapters complete. Um, you know, going along pretty well. Pretty much tells the story of the first and only Anodyne tour in Europe. Um, it's kind of interesting reading back all those old journal entries and seeing what a 
sort of heavy-duty situation that was over there. Uh, a lot of stuff went wrong. I was going through a pretty difficult period of my life at that point. And, um, yeah, it's just sort of a raw take on what it was like to be over there with that band for the one and only time we actually made it to Europe. And uh, it was a pretty rough-and-tumble operation at that point. Um, it makes me very thankful for all the things that Toombs has been able to um, achieve. And um, yeah, in light of the situation with this current uh, debacle over with the Today's a Day tour, I, uh, I feel fortunate that we're able to, um, to do what we do overseas. Um, we've been over there a number of times, and um, it's definitely uh, above the level, you know, above, above the, whatever the, however the expression goes. It's definitely above board. And uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. We went, you know, Anodyne toured Europe. We didn't have any guarantees. A lot of shows fell through. Um, shows got canceled. We had days off. Uh, we went into this situation just like it could have been a lot worse than it was. And um, it was like a really pretty big learning experience for me. And I'm sure Josh and Joel got a lot out of the experience as well. And um, all that stuff is captured in uh, this audio book that I'm, that I'm working on. Um, I should be done with this thing probably by the middle of next month, and it will be available on uh, on Bandcamp. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it at low cost, maybe like three or four dollars. It's probably like maybe like an hour's worth of material. Um, it's gonna be broken down and like maybe what's turning out to be about ten minute chapters, and uh, pretty much just me reading out of my journals from that time. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not gonna say it's like a fun read, but it's interesting at least. And um, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll be getting all of these chapters free as I complete them. And, uh, you know, most likely when I put the final version up, I might do some some edits here and there, but you'll, you pretty much have the whole thing, raw, the whole raw experience. And um, yeah, if you join on any level, I'll be, I'm sending you links with downloads for each of the chapters as I finish them. Another added bonus, which kind of dovetails into the whole anodyne experience. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming most of you out there aren't necessarily familiar with my former band, Anodyne. But um, it's a band I did for, I don't know, a number of years. We started in 1997, and the band, uh, you know, I think wrapped up like around 2004, 2005, somewhere in that range. And um, once again, if you are a Patreon subscriber, in addition to the free download, you'll be receiving a vinyl copy of the, the Outer Dark uh, LP. Uh, while I have a limited number of these things, so while quantities last, if you subscribe to any of the levels of Patreon, you will receive a download of the chapter, each chapter as it comes available, and a copy of the LP. Um, I don't have any more copies of Lifetime of Gray Skies. That would be really cool. But what I did do is I found a bunch of um, Outer Darks uh, LPs. So that's the kind of stuff I'm going to be giving away. So um, one, of, one of my bros out there on Patreon... Uh, made a recommendation that on the Man on the Silver Mountain episodes, I can uh, open it up to questions um, to the listeners with the emphasis on if you are a Patreon subscriber and you want to ask me questions, 
we can have like a, a dialogue about pretty much anything. If you want to talk about tombs, anodyne, you know, stuff that's uh, other other work I have going on. Um, you know, the new Vasilek record just came out on Friday, and uh, for those of you who aren't aware, my uh, ambient electronic instrumental project Vasilek um, the record just was released by Translation Lost on Friday. And uh, the record, it's an EP, it's called uh, The Dark Road. And um, I'm pretty proud of that. But yeah, if you have questions about that, we can just have a dialogue. So um, I'm going to hit a couple questions that Patreon subscribers have asked. And uh, see, the first one is, what do I hate most uh, regarding reviews and reviewers when they're talking about the music of tombs? So honestly... I try to avoid reading reviews. Uh, there are two reasons for that. Uh, one is that I don't have um, a lot of. I, I don't. I don't really. Even if it's positive or negative, I really don't like reading the reviews. If it's positive, uh, I feel like it kind of undermines the intensity at which I kind of uh, approach all this stuff. I don't like to rest on my laurels. If it's negative, it kind of confirms all of the reservations that I had about the completeness of the record I just did. Like, for example, um, you know, whenever I finish up a record, I never really feel like it's done. I feel like I can always have, like, you know, gotten a few better takes. Um, you know, could have been, uh, you know, more feeling in the uh, vocals, more emotions. So when I listen back to the the final versions of the records, at least, at least initially, at least initially, I'm just, oh man, I can't believe, I can't believe this is going to come out. Um, you know, I don't know. It's like, uh, really hard for me to, to feel complete. So when a negative review comes out, I'm like, ah, yeah, man, they see right through this whole thing. You know, man, they, they, they realize that this is all kind of bullshit, you know? But, you know, as time goes on and there's more distance between the release of the record and myself and my current life, I kind of look back. Then I can look back and be like, all right, yeah, this is actually, this is pretty sick. You know, I did, a, the experience is pretty good. You know, I feel pretty proud of all this stuff. But let's see, one of the things that I actually hate is whenever a reviewer tries to assign the term post to describe our music, I feel that's an incredibly lazy an inaccurate way of describing something from a journalistic perspective. And I think it's, um, you know, post-rock, post-metal, post-this, post-that. I don't really hear anything post about the music that we do. I mean, for example, if you listen to Celtic Frost, it's like, you know, that's a great example because, you know, Celtic Frost is like one of the biggest influences on tombs. Um, Every record sounded different you know and there's different sort of influences from all of these different genres in that band i mean you can hear you know you know well first of all i mean celtic frost kind of created their own genre but you can hear you know strains of uh of punk rock music of hardcore of uh heavy metal um you can hear you know a little bit of venom in there maybe even though they were kind of contemporaries with venom uh, you could hear a little bit of uh, Christian death, and as time went on, um, you know the work that Tom Gabriel Fisher did just incorporated everything that he was into personally. 
You know, but no one ever uses the word term post when they talk about Celtic Frost or even Triptychon. They never say Triptychon is a post-metal band. They're, I mean, Triptychon sounds like a lot of different things, man. There's a lot. You can hear the swans. You can hear Fields of the Nephilim. You can hear, you know, all the work that Tom G. Warrior did prior to Triptychon in there, all mixed together into this awesome pastiche of intense music. So I just think that it's like really lazy to be like, oh yeah, you know, Tombs is like a post-black metal band or a post-punk you know, punk band or whatever. It's just kind of stupid, I think, you know, and I think it's lazy. And uh, we don't really get this so much these days, but um, in the early days, I remember reviewers would say that we were like Mastodon or, you know, we would, they would try to compare us to a band like that. And I just never was able to really agree with anything like that and that's not to say that Mastodon is a bad band I think that they are incredible musicians and are accomplished at doing what they have set out to do creatively it's just that we don't have anything in common musically Um, like on a creative level we're mining different veins of creativity and there's just a diff. There's no real similarities between the bands. So maybe we were both on relapse. Uh, there might be that. You know, maybe there's like uh, you know, we have similar maybe you know palm muting techniques when we play guitar. But none of that's div. It just seems like like yeah, you know, yeah, they sound like Mastodon. No, we don't sound like Mastodon. And you know, it's just annoying to me. Also, um, <laughs> now that I'm on a roll here. I always hated when reviewers would say that we were a sludge band. Um, I just don't see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Tombs has some slow songs. There's a doom element in certain aspects of the band. But by and by, I mean, we have a lot of double kick, blast beats, um, you know, pretty fast tempos. And I just don't ever feel like the band was a sludgy doom type of band. And... um, you know, it just was kind of, uh, once again, just lazy. You know, it's like a term that has no meaning, sludge, you know? Uh, I mean, I guess there are bands out there you can say, oh, yeah, they're sludge or whatever. It's just, to me, it's stupid. People would refer to ISIS as a sludge band, and I I, I, I never got it, you know what I mean? It's just maybe, maybe, to me, Grief maybe was a sludge band, or, you know, uh, I Hate God maybe, but... That really wasn't our trip, you know, and it was just kind of kind of annoying to me that that's that's a term that people would use. Another uh, another question that came up here is in regards to the artwork. Now, the artwork uh, for Tombs for all of our LPs has been done by Thomas Hooper, and um, you know we had we had Val Noir who did the All Empires Fire All Empires Fall EP. And, um, you know, Mike Wahlberg did the split with Planks. And uh, Ryan Patterson did the, the debut EP we did um, back in the day. But Hooper has been the main man for all of our ambitious projects, all the LPs. So, I mean, basically, um, you know, the process goes like this. Uh, you know, I send Thomas the lyrics and maybe some preliminary um, ideas uh, you know, maybe some paragraphs of writing, um, possibly a file containing 
some downloaded JPEGs of some stuff that I might have seen online that was uh, you know interesting to me that I felt tied into the lyrical themes. Um, you know, sometimes it's just the paragraphs, you know, series of paragraphs and phrases, you know, and, you know, maybe other times it's like, uh, more or less complete verses and choruses. It varies, um, depending on where we're at in the process. Uh, we always do demos of each record. Every record has a, a very complete demo that accompanies it, where we would actually either set up recording gear in the studio or, in the case of the Grand Annihilation, uh, we went to Chapel Black to uh, record a full-on demo, with, you know, like in a more or less functional studio that uh, you know Travis Travis Bacon and uh, James Van Dusen both engineered that, and um, it's probably one of our better sounding demos that's out there. But yeah, we we do the songs; everything's planned out. So when that surfaces, I send those versions of the songs over to Thomas as well. And he just kind of marinates in all this stuff. You know, he listens to the, uh, the music. He reads some of the writing. I might have highlighted a couple things that I felt was very significant. And um, I trust him fully. Like, I don't ever edit any of the things that Thomas does. You know, this last time around, I used uh, Pinterest boards. Um, actually, I used them on a couple of different records, but... You know, I, we would I would put up a Pinterest thing and have like you know like a couple images and I would share it with him. So if you go up on Pinterest, I mean I don't use it that much for anything else but this. So if you're a Pinterest user and you check me out online, those are, those are some of the ideas I sent over to Hooper. But um, like I said, I, I trust Thomas fully. He's a genius. I don't edit or restrict him in any way. I just trust his instincts to you know do the right thing. And um, pretty much um, after a while, I just get a link and it's got like tons of great ideas of just like full blown paintings um, that have exceeded any, any of the expectations I might have had, um, you know, going into it. And um, yeah, it's just like an interesting, cool pseudo collaboration that we do. And um you know, it's been working for the last, you know, decade or so. So I don't see any reason to change that up at all. And, um, yeah, you know, so that's pretty much uh, what, we're, what we have with the artwork. That's, that's pretty much the whole story. So another question is, uh, were, there any, were there any life events uh, that shaped the lyrics? Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that this last record was actually came through um, was the record was developed was developed through a very tumultuous period. Um, you know, the Grand Annihilation, more than any of our other records, was pretty much a singular effort. Um, you know, there was a lot of dissension going on in the band uh, while we were writing the album, and uh, people were just sort of drifting off into their own. Um, you know, their own worlds and there was not a lot of communication and, uh, you know, it just pretty much became my mission to write this album. Now, any kind of, uh, life events, I mean, um, I had just recently went full on into the freelance hunter gatherer lifestyle that I'm currently enjoying. 
Well, I'm not enjoying is kind of an odd word, but I'm experiencing it more than enjoying it, shall we say. So there was a lot of um um, you know, sort of freedom, but freedom that needed to be tempered with discipline in order to get things over the fence and to continue. Uh, you know, living in this lifestyle um lends itself to delusion in a lot of ways um you know there's always this sort of joke about a free you know freelancer is freelancing is like another word for saying unemployed which is more or less true i mean during this during this time you feel like you're just constantly unemployed you finish one project you need to find other work you need you're constantly trying to line things up for yourself to do so that you can continue to survive so going from a regular paycheck that shows up in your bank, you know, account every two weeks, you know, where you can project months into the future uh, and feel more or less secure, suddenly that is gone and you have to rely on your own ingenuity to continue to live. Um, You know, that anxiety and sort of, um, you know, adjustment to your lifestyle that was a big factor in the creation of the album in a lot of ways um you know I was kind of adjusting my life to that uh I was dealing with the distance that I was feeling between myself and the other band members at the time too um on previous records you know Path Totality uh Savage Gold I had Andrew Hernandez who was my counterpart in the band and he and I, uh, were, were a team and, um, you know, and I didn't have that this time around, you know, uh, true on all empires fall. It was written with the same lineup more or less, but, um, you know, there was, there was a little bit more collaboration on that record. Um, you know, me, Charlie and fade pretty much wrote the entire album by ourselves down the space. We would, you know, regularly meet, but at the time the grand annihilation was being written, everyone was drifting off into their own endeavors and it just became my own thing. And, um, it was, uh, you know, something that I had to become comfortable with. So that was like a pretty big, um, life adjustment that really influenced the record. Uh, so yeah. Um, as far as another question came up is what are, what are some of my favorite lyrics and so what, actually um sort of encapsulates the whole um you know vibe of the record so i'm gonna have to say that the lyrics for november wolves um maybe you know one of the early lines is in a world of shadows the strong survive and um you know and and i hope that everyone out there lives in a world where they have solid dependable people around them but at the time of writing this album i had shadows surrounding me you know, there were ghosts, and I had to be strong to survive the outcome of this sort of ghostly band that I had surrounding me. So that really, um, you know, was a significant part of the record. You know, that, that lyric was something that really resonated with me. Another recommendation or question or what, what have you is uh, to just kind of basically discuss the writing of the album, uh, The Grand Annihilation. 
you know, and like I said earlier, I kind of hinted at this is, um, and you know, if you've read a couple of interviews out there, um, you know, this was definitely different than all the other team's records. Um, you know, like I said, Andrew Hernandez was a huge part of the writing process. I mean, it was mainly he and I who would spend all the time together, um, you know, hashing out the ideas, uh, working on arrangements. And I felt like Andrew was a real, um, you know, instrument in, in putting this all together with arranging and, and the, the riffs kind of developed from each other. And, and um, you know, his input as to the quality control was very, very interesting as well because, I mean, you know, we had a lot of ideas. I mean, like most bands probably write all these different songs and parts and sometimes they're good, sometimes they're like, yeah, this is cool. It's fun to play, but when you listen to it, it's not really, you know, happening. So, you know, Andrew would always come up with like, you know, yeah, this is cool, but like maybe we should change this part around. This time around, I really was alone. Um, you know, I have a tiny little setup here in my apartment, and more and more I was finding that uh, I was working by myself, uh, just, you know, with my Pro Tools set up and, uh, you know, working with click tracks and just writing riffs and arrangements, and I would go down to the practice space and you know, me and Charlie would just kind of run through the songs. And I felt like, you know, Charlie, you know, how am I going to put this? Is, uh, you know, he, he was, he's a good drummer, very solid, uh, can play a lot of different styles of music, but I don't necessarily think he ever really got what Toombs was all about. Um, like, I, I just don't think he ever really was on board with, the type of intensity that we were trying, that I was trying to push in the band. Um, you know, so with all that said, I feel like the sessions that we had together, it was basically just me and some dude on drums. And um, I'd be like, okay, you know, try this, try that. He would have some ideas. But there was no real uh, emotional commitment to the music. And I guess that's what happens when you work with a guy who is primarily a session player. And, um, yeah, I, I always had this feeling that um, playing in tombs was pretty much the same thing as playing in a wedding band for him. And, um, you know, it was kind of a drag. And uh, so once again, I was alone. I felt like I was by myself doing all this stuff. At this point, Fade was MIA. Um, on All Empires Fall, he was uh, very involved in the writing. And I was excited about that because he was always somebody that I wanted to work with. I always felt like he was very talented and um, did a lot of great creative stuff with the different projects he worked with. And, uh, you know, I think Static Bloom is a cool band. And, um, you know, his his creative output was always something I was you know very impressed with. And I looked forward to someday working with him. But... Uh, you know, with all that said, and I can, I will never ever disparage any of his creativity, but he just was one of the worst people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> uh, just, uh, a dark cloud of negativity. Um, I feel like when he joined the band, there came a point where he just be became this like disruptive, uh, you know, sort of fulcrum of you know me and the rest of the guys and they're just 
on tour, on the last tour we did together, uh, we spoke maybe five words on the entire time, you know, and it's like, uh, there was just that last tour we all did as a band was, was, was miserable. It was, you know, pretty, um, pretty much an indicator of where things were heading. And, um, and that was it. You know, the only, the only member of the, from that lineup who, um, treated me like a human being was Evan. And, um, you know, it was pretty, pretty much that's why the door is always open for him. If, if he ever, you know, wants to work with me at some point in the future, the door is open. You know, I mean, I don't know what role he might play in the future. It might change, but you know, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, he was the only guy to, to be, to be a man about this whole thing. You know, everyone hid behind the internet. They would, you know, write emails to me or, manipulate the situation to the point where I had to make a move and, and be like, Hey, don't bother showing up anymore. Um, you know, very passive aggressive. And that was pretty much the whole, the whole vibe. So, I mean, Evan, the record was basically recorded with me, Evan and Charlie. And, um, Evan did a great job, uh, uh, by far a far superior guitar player than me. And um, I relied on him a lot on this recording process. Charlie executed his parts very professionally. I do not think to this date that he actually pushed himself. Um, and I feel like the drumming on the Grand Annihilation is a little bit uncreative and um, a little bit run-of-the-mill. You know, I don't feel like there was any any intensity to push past any limitations you might have had you know Andrew was always somebody who was able to set the set the bar high enough for himself to achieve you know and um yeah that's just kind of um it's kind of a drag because I always felt like the drumming on all the tombs albums was was interesting and and creative and uh you know inspiring and and on the grand annihilation it was very much um run-of-the-mill in my opinion so well all that said i think the songs i really believe in the material um yeah i feel like i feel like the current lineup plays the songs great and they have a new life and they have a new sort of interpretation of the way we played the record and um you know i just um, i'm proud of the material you know and i just look forward to making more music and continuing to do the band and uh i guess some of the things is like for me, there's no actual muse. Uh, the only thing that drives me forward is dedication, work, and discipline. You know, it's easy to not do this, to fold under the pressure. And trust me, the last 12 months have been filled with pressure and uncertainty. You know, this is what I do, so I can't give up. You know, it's not time to close the book on this. You know, at some point, you know, most likely I'll wake up one day and say, it's time and shut the whole thing down. Move on to another thing. You know, that time is not now. It's not going to be tomorrow or most likely it won't be the next day. But someday, maybe we'll see what happens. You know, but for now, I'm dedicated to doing this as hard as I can. Um, yeah, it's been real trippy the last like, you know, eight months or so. Um you know, the band is completely changed once again. And, um, 
I'm just starting to become comfortable with this thing being like more and more a singular uh, pursuit. You know, that's not to say that, you know, the guys I'm playing with aren't dedicated or, you know, or, or awesome dudes or whatever, but it's like, I've kind of grown accustomed to people coming and going. You know, it's taken me 10 years to get to that point, but here I am. And um, I don't think it's that unusual, really. Um, you know, if you look around at some of your favorite bands, I mean, it's very rare that there is a stable lineup. The only two bands that come to mind are Neurosis and Sick of It All. It's been the same guys pretty much from the beginning. Um, you know, Neurosis is, I mean, Sick of It All. Craig Satari has been the only member change. And he's been in the band for, what, like 20 years at this point, you know? So, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of times in, in you do these interviews and people are like, oh, yeah, man, you know, the, there's a lot, many lines. I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, there have been. But, you know, the band's been around for a decade. Typically, people stay in like two years, you know, three years. That's like the shortest duration that anyone's ever been in the band. You know, we've had people stay in the band five, six years, seven years. That's um, a significant amount of time, considering that most bands might not even last more than seven years. So I guess you have to look at this thing in perspective and look at the total timeline of the existence of the band and, you know, put in perspective the lineup changes. I remember when I interviewed uh, Jesse Matthewson from Ken Mode and, um, Everyone likes to kid about their revolving door of bass players, but he broke it down similarly, saying that, well, we've existed for this many years, and we've only had different guys come and go throughout these different periods. We've had a guy in the band for eight years and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, rather than jumping to conclusions, I just think that people should kind of look at the perspective, you know, and yeah, you know, the, there's different people on most of the records. But um, look at the record, you know, do you like the music? I mean, who fucking cares who's on the record? You know, it's like a band like Napalm Death doesn't have any original members in it, yet they're a great band. You can have your era with Barney. You know, you can be into the Lee Dorian era. You know, it's like, you know, what, what, it's it's all good music. You can enjoy different chapters of the band. And look, tombs may never end. <laughs> it's going to keep going. You might have, you might like Winter Hours. You might hate the Grand Annihilation. You might think the best thing we did was uh, All Empires Fall. Great. You know, have your favorite stuff. I have my favorite stuff. You know, there are certain eras of certain bands that I love, certain eras that I don't love as much. But that's just the way of the world, man. And um, that's pretty much where I'm at with everything. And uh, so, yeah, you know, summer's winding down. Um, It's coming into my favorite time of year, the autumn. And, uh, yeah, it's like I look, I'm looking forward to the autumn. You know, I, I've never been a huge fan of the summer and hot weather, especially in New York City. And in, in the fall, I always feel um, like a little calmer. You know, you can let yourself breathe. Uh, you know, I, I'm more of a nighttime kind of person, and the nights get longer. It gets darker earlier, and um, I'm just looking forward to that season. And one, I'm starting to get that creative itch and working on new material for the band. I'm working on new material for Vasilek. And I'm just optimistic about things. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's been a rough year for me personally. But I feel optimistic about the coming months. And, um, 
yeah, I hope to see everyone out there. Uh, we're going to be playing Ozfest this year, which is great. There's a tour that's about to be announced around Ozfest. We're playing New York City at our favorite place, St. Vitus, uh, out here in Brooklyn, literally six blocks from where I live. It's going to be a cool show. Uh, good friends, River Black, are playing. If you don't know who River Black are, it's basically Burnt by the Sun, Brett from Revocation playing. Uh, River Black's kind of existing in a couple of different incarnations. They were called the Argonauts for a while uh, with uh, different different vocalists. But this version with Mike Olander back online is great. Their new album on uh, on Season of Mist is uh, is brutal as hell, and it's great, great metallic hardcore. Um, you know, definitely check it out. Uh, we got um, also my great friends Slow Death are playing. It features uh, you know Randy Larson who was in Cable. And it's, uh, they kind of sound like integrity, you know, like it's mean, you know, metallic hardcore band, um, you know, just solid as fuck and like a really sick band. And uh, The Longest War, who I don't really know those guys, but I hear great things about them. And I'm just really looking forward to, uh, to getting, getting back on stage and kicking ass. So um, I think it's going to be a great time. So until then, um, you know, keep your heads up and I'll see you soon.